In today's episode of Inspiring Female Entrepreneurs, I'm bringing to you Rana Akkad, who has founded Jad's Inclusion, which is a special needs school based in Dubai. Now, one of the things about female entrepreneurs is we're often known for setting up businesses if we see a problem or a need within society. And Rana created Jad's Inclusion because she was unable to find a school that her son could go to and be included in mainstream education. My son also has autism and I can absolutely relate to the struggle that Rana had and I am in absolute awe and am so grateful for the work that Rana has been doing within the UAE and in Dubai and I'm so delighted to share her story with all of you today. The thing I love about Female Fusion is we are a truly global organization. We have members from all over the world and we have every single nationality, every single culture and every type of business. And it's from this diversity that makes us so strong as Female Fusion. And this is why I'm so excited to share with you stories about our members. We're bringing to you over the next 30 days, 30 inspiring female entrepreneurs that are going to give you the most incredible ideas and share their stories about what it's like to have their business. Welcome to another episode of the Women on the Rise podcast and today I am joined by Rana Akkad who is the founder of Jad's Inclusion which is a special needs school here in Dubai. Rana, welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great honor. You're welcome. Now, you're a member of Female Fusion, yes. and you are also the founder of Jad's Inclusion. Maybe you could tell all of our listeners about Jad's Inclusion and what, what it does within the community. So Jad's Inclusion is, is the personal struggle. It's uh, when my son was not accepted in any school in Dubai. He, he's on the spectrum. He has autism, but he's, mo he's moderate. He's not severe. He's not... Uh, high functioning and therefore every time I used to apply for a special needs neurotypical school he would be rejected yet his impairment wasn't severe enough to be in a special needs center. I tried special needs center he started regressing so this is where jazz inclusion idea came from that we need something to fill the gap between these two extremes and we opened our doors in 2016 it's a boutique school for children, not only in autism, all kind of special needs that are not accepted in the system. Let's just put it that way. Struggling in the mainstream school, too high functioning to be in the special needs center. And when I say struggling in mainstream school, it might be uh, academic, emotional, physical, whatever it is. Um, and eventually we are a boutique school. As I said, we don't isolate. The whole idea of jazz inclusion is we incubate. So we incubate, we Whatever the child needs work with, we toughen him or her up, and then we send them back to the community. Let it be school, let it be job, let it be, you know, life skills. That's our main goal. And so what's the age range of the kids that you have at the school? So we are between four to 16. Uh, four is we like to start early to, to you know, build the, the right uh, foundation. And 16, because usually by then we already hope to have already integrated the child either in a school or, as I said, like we do internships, we do different kind of jobs. It's amazing. And so do you 
How long would a child typically spend at the school before they go back into mainstream school? So this is the tricky question. There's no one size fits all. There's no fixed answer. There's the younger we start, the easier it is. We have a couple of kids that can stay a semester or two. We have others that stay three or four. Uh, we have a couple of kids that chose never to go back. So when I say, and this is why I specify when I say inclusion, and this is the mistake or misunderstanding that happens in the community, Inclusion doesn't always mean uh, mainstream or doesn't always mean regular school. Inclusion is to be an independent, uh, productive citizen. So a lot of parents, although they can be in the mainstream school, by choice, they chose to stay with us because they're like, if my child is improving way more here, why should I send them to something that he doesn't belong? And sadly, the academic system is one of the few systems that didn't change throughout the history. It's a copy-paste and it doesn't work that way. Oh, I, you know that I agree with you on that as well. I have two kids with ADHD, one who has autism as well. And it's, it's not easy when not easy. you have a child who is neurodiverse mm -hmm. to find those places where they feel accepted and part of something. Absolutely. And my biggest frustration with schools, if I reflect back on it, is that that most of them weren't willing to look at other ways of learning or other ways of teaching kids. Absolutely. And saying, well, this is our one way of doing things and that's it. We don't look at any other any other way. Absolutely. And it's it's heartbreaking. And it's not only and a lot of people will tell me, but you know, what's the benefit of us taking our child like they take it like a step back or like as I said, isolating. It's not. It's it's a simple example I tell them. Neurotypical kids, when they're between the teenage, they, they even hate themselves. They hate everyone. They hate their parents. They're struggling by themselves. So, and then after that, so it's, it's, it's the innocence of being a child. Then you get that hard phase of being a teenager, and then you have the maturity. So what we do is protect our kids in that phase that other neurotypical kids to start with are struggling with. So this is the whole idea of, no, sometimes taking a step behind or, or protecting your child might give them a push forward. Yeah. Uh, this is what we believe in because yes, out there it might be harsh on, on anyone, not only struggling kids with the diagnosis. Yeah, I, I wish that there were more schools like, you are that, like yours or that schools would take a more active approach to to recognizing neurodiversity. You'd be shocked that when we opened, I thought it was only a struggle that we're opening here. We had parents relocate from Canada, uh, Chicago, uh, sorry, um, US, UK, because they couldn't find such a thing and they had to move back home. We had neighboring country, we had from Pakistan, Saudi people move and join us. So wow. it's supposed to be a boutique school. It's supposed to be not more than 40 kids. And I was just telling you, like, if we exceed the 40, we're doing a bad job because we should integrate. And the whole vision kind of changed because so many people are coming. It's it's a huge issue. It seems like regional wise or worldwide because yes, mm -hmm. um, a lot of schools are not knowing how to deal with our kids. And do you do you partner with any schools as well to help the schools become better at including the we, kids? We do. We do regular trainings. We do also. So what we do is when we send one of our kids to a school, we don't just drop the kid and leave. What we do is we follow through. We follow the behavior plan with the individual educational plan. And by doing that, we send our team, we educate or we teach the staffs in the other school to to help with the right environment. And this way they can just pick it up to the other students over there as well. 
That's really good. I mean, I was saying too as well that one of the things that I realized with, with my son, with him growing up, the way that he thrived was not being pulled out of class and made to sit in like special classes, but instead having the the special education person speaking to the teachers and saying, this is how you teach him. Absolutely. This is how he learns because he spent so much of his life being excluded from everything. I remember one time getting a call being told, well, he's too disruptive in class because we have carpet time. And he starts at one end of the carpet and then he's on the other side of the room at the end of carpet time. And I was thinking, who invented carpet time anyways? (laughs) Like what what like six or seven year old boy wants to sit on the carpet for an hour while you do story time yeah yeah yeah. we had one of the stories that we had we had one of the dads drop his daughter over and he literally used the term fix her so he dropped her his daughter and he's like fix her you have one term and then after a term i'm sending her back to her mainstream but i have to do that step because they're threatening threatening to kick her out funny enough and i always use this story as an example funny enough a term after pass and he was the first one to pay the second term tuition fee so i was intrigued i was like i need a meeting with the dad to see what's going on what dad did not share with us is that she was actually suicidal she tried to hurt herself uh she was severely depressed she kept on saying i'm ugly i'm stupid i don't belong all that and then when she moved to judge inclusion i mean yes she might not have the same diagnosis as the, the people around her but if she's struggling cognitively and the other child is struggling uh, verbally and the other physically she didn't feel any less right she felt that okay so it's not a problem to have yeah you know a delay it's not she was he he admitted that was the first time she has friends in the longest time uh she threw she actually celebrated her birthday party which she couldn't because she didn't have any friends so seeing all this she stayed with us like a couple of years she managed to go back to the system but again, when she was tough, when she was confident, when she was strong, uh, things like that, I, I highly believe in. Obviously, it's it's showing. I do understand why schools cannot do it, because also to give you an example, it's it's costing. And yeah. the, the reason people tell me why Jad's inclusive nonprofit, it's because if we make it profit, we cannot deliver the services we do. If you go to one of our classes, for example, math, the teacher is doing multiplications, two times tables. One child is doing it through touch math because he's sensory and he's doing it through sand and all this. The other one is doing it visual. The third one's doing calculator, calculator, and the third one's doing classical. So no school can accommodate yeah. all these. But whatever does the job, does the job. Yeah, I, but I also wish as well that even at a university level that this would be mandatory that all teachers going through becoming teachers need to to understand this because... There's so many people who who are neurodiverse and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's neurodiversity is so fascinating because I find that the way that my kids look at things is completely different. Like that's it's going to change the world. Like the the ideas and the things that you come up with are so powerful. The most successful people in the world. Yeah. We call them odd. Yeah. They're not odd. They think out of the box for a reason yes. because their brain functions differently and they're the ones yeah. inventing all the yes, all the amazing stuff. Well, and that was one of the things actually when my son was diagnosed with, with autism, he was diagnosed when he was 18, so after he had graduated from school. And when he was assessed, his the, the assessment center said, oh, he went to that school. They're like, we've actually seen 
a lot of kids from that school being diagnosed with autism and neurodiversity after school because these kids are so, so smart, Mm -hmm. super intelligent kids, but there's other things going on with them. And one of the first things I did after that is I thought, oh, well, who else has autism? And I did like a whole research and it was amazing to see how many how many well-known people had autism or have autism? You know, Elon Musk is mm-hmm. one of the... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, these, and these are the ones that at least you know about. I'm sure many more Correct. that we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it should, be, it should be normalized. Yeah. It should, 100%. So it took you three years to, to get all of the permissions and the school. Yeah. Um, you run... How big is your team that you have at the moment with the We are 20... Uh, staff members to at the time being 27 students and that also explains where the nonprofit part yeah. plays so we're we don't believe in the one-to-one we want the child to be as independent as possible but we do believe in manpower and we do believe in focusing uh, our effort in the with the kids so we are almost one-to-one amazing and what other advice would you have for other entrepreneurs that might want to set up some sort of social enterprise what would be your top tips for them i mean what i learned is that yes follow the rules but don't follow the rules at the same time (laughs) (laughs) this is like the most diplomatic way to say i mean be creative even even if a door shuts there are multiple ways to find different keys to open it uh that's something i learned um but I think that's a lesson in entrepreneurship as well, isn't it? That it is. So many times we get told no. Um, and it's like that, especially even as well, if you're looking for financing or you get told no a lot. You, know, you could be told no a hundred times before somebody says yes. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's just the same. Also, this applies to entrepreneurship, which is basically believe in your idea believe in your business because also when I was when I was planning to open uh, yes it's non-profit but it's still treated as a business right you still need to to pay salaries and pay costs and so many people told me you're going to be closed by the first year (gasps) yeah yeah they're like there's it's there's so much inclusive inclusion Uh, schools are picking up all schools are having divisions you're the only one that knows what your idea is you're the only one that knows what your business is yes Schools are way more inclusive. Yes, uh, there are inclusion division in each school, but they are not what we do. You are the only one that knows what you're doing. And I'm not talking about our business, all businesses. Believe in your business, know what you're doing. Don't let people bring you down and go for it. And I think also as well, surround yourself by people who get what you're doing. Like-minded people. It's really interesting that... Other entrepreneurs don't always get it. And it's not that they're coming from a a place of lack of support, that it's almost that because they don't have this entrepreneurial experience that they don't want you to fail. And oftentimes the response is, well, don't do it because you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Where from an entrepreneur's perspective, it's like, well, I'm going to do it. And if I fail, I'm going to find another way and another way and another way because I believe in this. And how are you going to reach if you don't fail? Like, I mean, if you take their advice and not try to start with, you will never know if you were able to do it or not. So let me try, let me fail. And as you said, learn from your mistake and and give it another try another way, even if you fail. Yeah. All entrepreneurs need to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And what about for, for you? Are you doing any work within the community? Because there's the... The kids that you have at the school, but 
one area that I always found hard for myself is having somebody to talk to and understanding because there's a whole piece of supporting the kid, but then also the the parents. Do you play any role in that at all? So funny enough, this is how I started. When I first started, when I found out about, well, my son, when I found out Jad's had autism, I, I was devastated. I thought it was my fault. I thought I did something wrong. And I just back then it was blogging. <laughs> so I started blogging and I started just sharing, sharing my fears, my thoughts. And this is, this is where it all came. I mean, as a background, I'm a fashion designer. I have nothing to do with education. But it started with blogging, and it was called, I called it Autism in Dubai. And people started blogging more and more. Sadly, a lot of people were anonymous. They didn't want to know who they are. But, you know, they were still sharing their feels, fears. And where we are today in jazz inclusion is actually the feedback of other parents. So it wasn't only just, like, my idea upbringing. It was the constant fear of all the parents bring together. So I would share, I would be scared about my son's future. The other mom would pitch in. The third mom would be like, no, but don't worry, my son's older and he managed X, Y, Z. So there was this community and this is where we grew it to become Chad's inclusion. And this is why I joke, usually when I do the tour, uh, I almost put a bit with my staff that if, once I'm done the tour, if the parents are walking out, if one of them is not with joyful tear, I did a bad tour because, as I said, it's it's the fear and of all community, not only mine. Yeah. And we still we still do it, of course. We still do a support system. We still do regular parents meeting to discuss and share positive and negative things together. It's what what you've done and what you've brought together within the community is so beautiful. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I wish that. When when my son was was younger, I wish that there was something like that for him because you know, fifteen years ago, yeah. there was there was nothing. Mm-hmm. I remember being threatened with having him expelled because the school didn't want to deal with him. And as a parent, you're like, what have I done wrong? You know, I felt like a, a failure as a mother. I had mothers at school tell me I was a failure. <laughs> Sadly, you know what guts me is that when they do that, especially the schools they make it seem like your child is the only one. And this right. is the thing that I always remind our parents because when they do the parents' meeting and it's it's usually they bring you and you see a whole table of like eight, six professionals in front of you yeah. and they make it sound that there's something wrong with your child. Yeah. No. And this is why I always tell parents, that meeting, they do it with like, hundred other parents, but unfortunately these parents don't know that. Of course. And this is why it's very important to do that networking and to do this support systems to know that no if the school is not being able to deal with your child it's the school's fault it's not your or your child's fault absolutely and I guess because parents don't know that right as you said that you feel that they're the only one and the thing that I wish and I say this to other parents who have younger kids in mind if your school isn't working for you change the school. And I was really scared to do that because my kids were at a school which was seen as like the best school. And I was like, oh, well, I can't find any better. Why would I leave? And then it got to a point where my my daughter was at the school and the last month of term, she refused to go of the school year. She was like, I hate this so much. The school is, you know, I just, I don't want to go to school. And she literally, like, I couldn't get her out of the house. Like, I couldn't get her on the school bus. She's like, I'm not going. And I moved the school. She went to another school by her house. And it was really interesting because when I went for the school tour, they were like, 
why do you want to come here? <laughs> you know, like, bless them. They were like, you're already at like the school that like all of the other parents want to get their kids into and you want to come here? And I was like, yeah, you know, she wants to come here. It's close to the house. And it was so interesting, night and day, which really reaffirmed to me, it doesn't matter how shiny the buildings are, like how, you know, world-class, whatever the awards are that they've had, that it's what makes your kid feel It's not the right fit. It's not good. the right fit. Yeah. And, you know, her first parent-teacher interviews, I think she'd been at the school for about six months, and I had parent-teacher interviews, and every single teacher was like, oh, she is like the best student. We love her. We love her enthusiasm. She's so good at sports. She's like top of the class and this and that. And I thought, this is so interesting because the previous school, I would have the meetings and they would say, she's super lazy. She doesn't try. She's not very smart. And, you know, she's all of these different things. And I thought all it takes is moving a school that might not be as good as... That's what other people see. If your kid is happy, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the thing I say us parents are guilty of is, as you said, we might follow other parents or we might follow the shiny thing. It might be as shiny. It might be fantastic. It might be the best school there is, but it might not be the right fit for my child. What what we do as a mistake, we forget that our children are human beings. (laughs) They still have taste they still have right they still it's just like a lot of people get shot i i don't like coconuts at the flavor and everyone's like what but it tastes so i don't like it that doesn't mean coconut is not good i don't like it so our kids same thing it might that school might be the most shiny thing but if it's not the right fit it's not the right fit yeah and it is that's why i think the thing that i learned from being a parent having older kids now is don't wait you know just do it that if it's not working don't wait a year, two years. I feel really, well, you know, we can't change the past, but I wish that I would have moved her sooner rather than waited for all of those years because I was convinced it was the best school. I mean, that's how we learn, I guess, right? From our experiences and yeah. from, and, and this is why a lot of people tell me like, why do you share what you share or why do you, why are you always an advocate about this? is because exactly what you said. If if what I learned or the delay of me learning something can speed the process for another parent, let it be. If other parents are scared of admitting something and maybe hear it, they just need the push, it's always, it's always comforting to hear it from someone else. Absolutely, yeah. And do you, as, as an organization for Jazz Inclusion, are you... Do you do partnerships or collaborations with with other organizations, either within Dubai or the UAE or internationally? Yes. So as I mentioned, basically, as I said, that yes, there's integration of sending kids to school, Mm -hmm. but then those that don't belong to school, they need a plan B. And what we did now, we affiliated with ASDAN, which is a vocational program in the UK, uh, which certify the kids worldwide uh, with any module they do. It might be vets or retail or whatever whatever it is. And what we're doing now is affiliations with uh, corporations here in the UAE. So we have now this coming term, they're gonna, uh, three of our students are gonna do um, internship at Citibank and we're hoping for one of them to be hired. We have a great uh, affiliation with Club uh, Apparel and we do different retail places from them to do internships. We also have uh, supermarkets. We have uh, 
noon. We also did internship uh, with them. Um, so we, we are building and expanding more to do these connections to find jobs for our, our uh, students. Excellent. So anybody who's listening as well, if their company would want to have a collaboration, absolutely, they can get in touch. Absolutely. And, and I always say it that sometimes our kids might be able to do the job more than others. Uh, a small example I give, for example, let's say packing boxes or for a shipping company. Many of our kids are so OCD yeah. and so perfect. I'm serious. They, <laughs> yeah. They're so no, perfectionist. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. You have one. And and when when I did my training, when I went to the US to, to come up with Jad's inclusion, of course, I, I was doing it for my son. So I went everywhere to pick the best of the best. And it blew my mind because one of the places I went uh, is, you know, when you buy a DVD or TV and there is this sticker that says, be careful with a plastic bag, don't put it in your head. Did you ever think who sticks it or who puts it? You just... You never trouble yourself. It's people with OCD. Because and they I, get it in the right... They get it in the right way. It's soothing to do repetitive behavior. Yeah. I walked in. I kid you not. I stayed there five minutes. I got anxiety. I got palpitations. I was like, <laughs> I can't see this anymore. If you see the guy who was doing it, he was in heaven. So sometimes certain jobs yeah. are done for certain people. If we hand them the right job, they will thrive at it and they'll be fantastic. And this is why when I say we're building different uh, uh, affiliations is because to find the right job, right place to each one of our students. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a place in 100%. this world, right? And 100%. it would be so boring if we were all exactly the same. And this is why I constantly remind not one size fits all. Please think out of the box. If your child doesn't belong, look for plan B, C, D. There are plenty of other plans. Just find the right place and Definitely. don't corner them. Now, you've been in Female Fusion for a while. You're one of our newer members. Yes. How has your experience been with Female Fusion? I love it. I love, I love the like-minded people. I love the network and support. I wasn't able to attend because, as you said, I'm relatively new. I wasn't able to attend a lot of events, but the warmness and the welcoming and the easy approach is mind-blowing. Um, I'm, I'm the ugly truth, and I'm very honest. And I had experiences with women getting together. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't know why, for some reason, usually it's not supportive. So that's why Female Fusion blew my mind, because it's actually people in there for the same agenda. Like, yeah, helping each other, benefiting each other, other businesses. In one meeting, like, just being there, so many people pitched in as you said, like, oh, I have a flower place. Maybe your students can do this or I have this connection. Maybe I can talk. So they were so welcoming. And I was like, it truly blew my mind because, as I said, I, I wasn't expecting such a pleasant experience. That's because we're for nice girls only. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's so important that like, you know, going to work or like anything that yeah. you want to be surrounded by nice people who are 100%. going to be kind and supportive. Life is too short to... Totally agree. Like, we don't compete against each other. There's so much business for everybody. Why would we... But it's very rare to find. I know it sounds simple that you're saying it, but it's rare and Female Fusion has it. And that's what I loved about it, that they're there to help each... No, I mean, yeah. I mean it. It's, it's, it, was, it was truly mind-blowing when I went and, and saw what I saw. Oh, thank so, you. Amazing job. I mean, I just want to help women build profitable businesses yeah. and to be successful and be successful doing what they, they love. So I'm truly grateful to hear, hear that it's helped you and that 
you think. It, it did. Everybody's so welcoming because they are, I mean, amazing. I love the women who are in female fusion. They're, they're, I mean, those that I met, as I said, they're, they're fantastic and they're in it for the same reasons, for the right reasons. So oh, it shows. Great. And what about you? What are, what's next? What are your plans? I mean, we are in a phase of expanding. We are in a phase that basically, uh, um, as I said, we expanded into the more vocational. Now we're more in the therapy settings. We get a lot of kids, unfortunately, that's not worked on at all. And that's the sub part of either denial or shame or whatever it is. So we are working now to expand into more therapy settings. So that's okay. that's our next plan. And it can be quite hard for, for parents to access that, that sort of thing as well. It's, I always say it's harder to deal with the parents, sadly, than the child, because to overcome their ego a lot of times, to overcome the, the community and society's beliefs, to overcome the uh, shame, sadly, uh, and to remind them that when you ask for a child or when you wanted a child, no one could give you a catalog to pick and choose. You're going to love that child no matter what. And yeah. just to remind them that sometimes that there's no perfect child, all children are perfect and you're going to love them no matter what. It, it takes some time. And once you crack this code, it, we're in the right path. Amazing. Well, Rana, thank you so much for all that you do for the community. Thank you. Because you have tremendous impact on the community. And I'm really grateful for all the work that you're doing and for being a member of Female Fusion as well. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you for having me here. And I actually do look forward for, you know, uh, gaining more from the network. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Rise podcast and our 30 most inspiring female entrepreneurs. If you are inspired by today's episode, why not come and join us in Female Fusion? We would absolutely love to have you. This is where you will be able to connect with the most incredible female entrepreneurs who are all committed to building a most profitable business. All you need to do is head over to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join. I look forward to seeing you on the inside.